Welcome to Choose to Become, a podcast about discovering yourself, cultivating self-love, and choosing to do the work to become the very best version of you. I'm your host, Lindsay Casey, and I'm so excited that you're here. On this show, we talk about all the things. We talk about self-development, healing, and just basically creating a life that we love. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Choose to Become. If you are new here, welcome. If you're not new, what's up? Welcome back. Today I have a nice and special little treat for you. I am reading the first chapter of my book. The book is called Choose to Become, just like the podcast. Super easy to remember. And the chapter that I'm reading is called Self-Awareness is Your Superpower. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 1. Self-awareness is your superpower. Quote, the most important conversations you'll ever have are the ones you'll have with yourself. David Goggins. When I started writing this book, it was the summer of 2019, and it was a much simpler time. And by simpler, I mean life before the pandemic. By the time this book comes out, I am hoping that the whole COVID-19 pandemic situation is a little more under control than it is now. I had originally decided to release this book in the summer of 2020, but life had other plans. Life and her damn plans, right? I mean, we spend so much of our lives trying to control every aspect of it, and life will just look at our plans and snicker. Oh, you silly human, don't you know you're not the one running the show? We buy pretty planners and have all the productivity apps on our cell phones to keep us on track for our hopes and dreams and our lives in general. In our minds, we think, if I plan out every single detail just right, things will go as planned. Now, here we sit in a collective shit show, realizing how little control we truly have over our external world. We have each been affected in different ways by the pandemic and increased social tension, some more horrific than others. Some of us have lost jobs, some have lost loved ones, but all of us, at some point during the pandemic, have lost our normal access to social interactions. We have fewer activities outside of the home, which means we are spending much more time with ourselves. Spending time by ourselves and with our thoughts can be a scary place, especially if you are someone who hasn't spent a lot of time with yourself. In my early adulthood, I hated being by myself. I mean, I would get such bad anxiety that I had to go to someone's house or even just go to the mall to be around others and not be alone with my thoughts. I know now that was because my mind was a place filled with bad memories, unprocessed trauma, and incredibly low self-worth. Because the home I grew up in was emotionally and psychologically abusive, I carry with me those old wounds and they would get triggered by experiences that reminded me of situations during that time. Because I didn't have the language or context of those things, I just felt like something was wrong with me because I seemed so much more sensitive and reactive than everyone around me. Let me give you an example. When I was young, my biological mother, who was addicted to heroin, would often leave my brother and me unattended. I vividly remember being a small child at home alone with my brother, and we would look for our mother around the house. When we didn't find her, we would often go outside to try to find her, sometimes at night, at night by ourselves. We were only four and five years old. Sometimes our neighbors would walk us back to our apartment, and other times my brother and I would find our own way home. After a couple of years of this, we ended up in a foster care system because of my mother's inability to take care of us. I remember the police coming to remove us from the home, and although I did not know exactly what was going on, I didn't feel afraid to go with the officers. 
As a mother now who knows how intuitive children can be, I can look back and know that even though I didn't have the full grasp of what was happening around me, I had the subtle awareness that I was not safe. We were then taken to a place where they temporarily kept foster children who had been recently removed from their home, but did not yet have a place to go. I remember it was called the dependent unit, and the only memory I have of that night was the super dope jelly shoes one of the ladies that worked there gave me. Side note for the ladies, if you've never heard of or seen jellies, Google them. They are so 80s and so cute. The important gem of wisdom that I really want you to grasp is that in those moments, I didn't have awareness that lifelong abandonment issues were being created. I had absolutely no idea that what I was living in was wrong because I didn't know anything different. You see, context is such an important ingredient for so many things in life. When we have a better understanding of something, we can heal it and create real change in our lives. But first, we have to be willing to look at it. And this, my friends, brings us back to our ability or inability to sit with ourselves. I believe the most important opinion in our lives is the opinion we have of ourselves. How do you feel about yourself when you're by yourself? I don't mean by yourself scrolling through Instagram or watching TV either. I mean being solo in a quiet space with none of your usual vices or distractions. Do you ever spend undivided time with yourself? Where does your mind go? I want you to pause reading for a moment to really consider these questions and really be honest with yourself about it. The nice thing about reading a personal development book is that it is just that, personal. So take full advantage of this moment and allow yourself to think about this and try to do so without too much judgment. Be as objective and honest as you can. What changed my inability to spend time alone without distractions was doing just that, spending time alone without distraction. That sounds easy, right? Nah. Not when you've spent years avoiding that very activity. My conscious journey to self-reflection and self-assessment began in early 2016. I had just discovered spirituality that resonated with me when my brother, Joshua, showed me a YouTube show called Buddha at the Gas Pump. On this show, the host would interview spiritual teachers and sometimes even some regular people who have had profound spiritual awakenings. I didn't know what a spiritual awakening was when I started watching it. To be honest, I mostly started watching it to feel closer to my brother, who had recently been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. More on this later. Also, he was so pumped up about it that I became intrigued. I knew within the first moments of the first episode that this was something I needed to pursue. I began listening daily, and although the language was new, the experiences they were describing resonated on a very deep level. I didn't know exactly what a spiritual awakening was, but I knew intuitively that it was something I needed to understand so I could feel better in my life. The more I listened, the more I realized that I had had some spiritual experiences in my life already. After a few months, I discovered Abraham Hicks, and they really spoke to me and deepened my spiritual connection and feelings of spiritual guidance. Despite my affinity for some pretty woo-woo sounding stuff, I was raised very religiously. I grew up going to a Baptist church on some Sundays, and I read the Bible often, like without anyone telling me to do so. The thirst for spiritual knowledge and connection was already there, and Christianity was my entry point. I vividly remember sitting alone in my room, praying and talking with God, as early as age five. Perhaps it was because the pastor referred to him as father and us as his children, which would have been very appealing to a little girl with no parents. Either way, I felt connected and safe when I thought of God. 
Although religion didn't resonate with me in the same way that spirituality does, the idea of being connected to something bigger than myself always spoke to me. I felt it, but through many negative life experiences, I lost that feeling of connection, and moreover, I lost that feeling of trust. So eventually, I stopped creating those quiet moments to connect. Between the previous foundations of prayer, Abraham Hicks repeatedly telling me to meditate daily to feel good, and my yoga teacher training in 2016, I finally found myself craving alone time to process and contemplate my life and feelings. I began to look forward to being alone with my thoughts and myself. As someone who consumed drugs as a way to not feel all the pain buried within, this was huge. This is how I know that this stuff works, and this is also why I know that you too can access peace through self-reflection. We cannot heal what we are not willing to look at. In this chapter, we will look at some tools to help you on your journey to increasing your self-awareness. I am a yoga teacher, and as I mentioned in my introduction, my journey to this practice was unconventional to say the least. I also wasn't raised in a home where mindfulness was ever mentioned, so I almost felt like yoga and meditation found me. Sometimes things become so suffocating that you have nowhere to go but inward. When hardships occur, it's easy to feel swallowed up by your life as opposed to being the one living and, dare I say, creating it. Then, as we focus on the unwanted situation, we keep the emotional train rushing in that direction, creating other unwanted situations, because the energy we are broadcasting and the thoughts we are thinking are now aligned with things not going our way. Often, we begin to skip out on self-care and pick up more unhealthy habits, drinking, overeating, smoking, etc., during these stressful times. When bad things happen, having a spiritual practice is crucial. Checking in with yourself through stillness and reflection is the best way to nourish your soul and spirit. But often, we try to go around or jump over uncomfortable situations to avoid going through the things that make us squirm. This is what creates the unconscious loop of old behavior and patterns. This is what makes us feel overly anxious and overwhelmed by life. Will this just end? Life is full of things that might make you uncomfortable, things that are going to upset you and trigger you or make you doubt yourself. Mindfulness practices show us the areas that we need to grow and heal in. Conscious breathing and movement have been the most effective tools for me to get in touch with myself. While meditation and yoga don't take away the trigger, these practices do create some space between the trigger and the old ways of reacting. I've learned to observe this alchemy in real time, to feel the familiar, uncomfortable feeling arise, but then becoming a witness to it instead of regurgitating practiced reactions. This takes practice, of course, which is why it is called a meditation practice or a yoga practice. In that pause and shift from reaction to introspection, I find the sweet spot of silence and relief. I can be separate from the issue so that I can understand it and move through it. When we move through something, we can move past it.